You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the cranky fan. Happy New Year, cranky fan. Happy New Year, grump. Nice to be back. I was on vacation, so not as always with you, so glad you were able to hold down the fort while I was gone, but uh, we, uh, we are still thawing out from sitting in our frigid seats in Section 124, in spite of what JPP is saying, you know, fuck him. (laughs) <laughs> if he wants to criticize, if he wants to criticize anybody for not showing up for one of the most meaningless games of the last forty years in one of the most frigid conditions, you know, kudos to everybody who made the trip, even if you stayed for a half. And for people like JPP, go fuck yourself after yeah. a year you've had to, say, to basically say that. So yeah, don't ever question our dedication. Uh, I the moment I opened the door to leave, I had no idea why I was doing it or what I was doing. <laughs> but yeah, we survived. One of the most frigid games, I don't know if it was necessarily the worst, but given the circumstance and the meaninglessness of it, it felt like the worst, um, and endured the Giants' 18-10 to victory over the Washington Redskins. So that'll close out the old year. A game, yeah, a game that we were kind of sweating a little bit because, you know, we were scoreboard watching to make sure Indy was winning because yeah. <laughs> I'd have been highly pissed. I would have been highly pissed if we won and drop down to three in the uh you know this again this isn't like basketball like the nba when the knicks a couple of years ago won a meaningless game against atlanta and cost them a you know a draft pick and but you know in, in basketball every you know one player makes so much of a difference i don't think it was that critical but obviously you want to have as much you know in your favor going forward so i'm glad that indy won to give us you know the nice feeling of going out for 2017 with a win it's hilarious because usually when you're week 17 scoreboard watching, that means that you are still mathematically alive and certain planets need to align in order to get you into the playoffs. <laughs> in this case, certain planets need to align for us to get the second overall pick. And, yeah. Uh, I can happily say that uh, there was a victory for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, although fronts. we were – by the time, you know, we bolted out, the, out of there pretty early in the third quarter and by the time the train actually showed up and – we were on the train nearly back to Secaucus that we found that they won. No one even, you know, batted an eye or gave a shit. It was very, <laughs> yeah. very surreal feeling going out there that morning and then coming back that afternoon. I think some of that had to do with the cold, too, because people were miserable. <laughs> in any case, in any case, uh, so Cranky Fan wasn't here to offer his opinion, so you got stuck with mine. That was a total dictatorship of a podcast. So I'm just going <laughs> to briefly cover some... Uh, some things from the past tornado of a week. Uh, we can start with Eli Apple since his suspension was officially lifted today. Um, Craig, even what are your thoughts on Eli Apple's suspension? The suspension was lifted today. For what does that mean? Um, it does mean that he, he can, can he can, he can report to the facility and he can talk to Dave Gettleman. Whereas previously, <laughs> I don't know that he could. He's not even allowed to talk to the new GM. And it's interesting because. Gettleman did say today he did not have a chance to speak with him where he has spoken with Eli. He has spoken with some other members of the team. So, you know, 
if that's kind of a telling thing, I think if he hasn't spoken to him yet, I, I think Eli Apple is done with this team. I think if we're going to do a culture shift, you have to start with, you know, who has been described as a cancer by one of the leaders of the defense. And, uh, there's a million guys like Eli Apple out there who are budding young stars, and you know, I, I said this to uh, Grump. We were in the stadium on Sunday that you may see some names they're going to be thrown out of here that you may be surprised that it might appear more of a rebuild than, oh well, we have this cornerback or we have this safety or we have this offensive lineman. Where culture change is in the air, and if they want to weed out some of the garbage, they may be weeding out some legitimate talent along with. You know, just the the people are just wasting a time, you know, having a roster spot. So, I think he, I, I think you've seen the last of Eli Apple in a giant uniform, and you know, you may not even see him in the NFL anymore. Who knows? It's really bizarre, and and yeah, as far as weeding out goes, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman's the new GM. All bets are off. He has no ties, no responsibility for anything that's been here before him. He has no loyalty to anybody. So. Yeah. Um, he's going to do what's best for the team from an you would hope an objective standpoint. Um, he he, there, you know, there's no sentiment here. So well, let's back up a second. You know, I was out last week when they made the announcement that Gettleman was the GM, and you know, I, I know you had your thoughts and everything, but to me, I'm kind of surprised that they pulled the trigger on him so quickly for a couple of reasons. One. Why even bother bringing in Ernie Accorsi to help with the search when basically every the, the narrative was, oh, he's really tight with Gettleman. He's just going to bring Gettleman in. So why even bother with that whole narrative? And I was pretty surprised that they didn't even consider anybody that is in an organization that's going towards the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> to me, those are the type of guys you want, guys who are part of winners and part of organizations that are successful. So, I mean, again – they made a head Gettleman in their sights all along the moment he was fired, you know, last year. Um, and now they're just kind of playing out the string for this season. And obviously the season going so poorly made it a lot easier to make that jump. But uh, I was pretty surprised that they made the call, not necessarily for him, but so quickly that they did it. Well, let me ask you a question. Does Dave Gettleman count as somebody who's connected to an organization heading towards the playoffs? Being that he was fired just before the – well, in the offseason between last season and this season, and the Carolina Panthers are now uh, an official wildcard team. Well, he was fired. True. And you know he, he was kind of shown the door with a lot of negativity hurled at him from free agents, from people in the building. Now, a lot of that might be sour grapes because they weren't offered contracts that they felt they deserved. Who knows? But it's not like – he was the key cog in a organization right now, and you know, well, we either poached him or whatever. Well, no, so but nevertheless, I, I, I could see I could see the leap to that, but I think you know, you know, is Carolina a, a top tier organization right now? No, no, certainly yeah. not. Yeah. Um. So I had the pretty much the exact same reservations about Dave Gettleman. I had, you know, it's a red flag the way he left Carolina. Um, uh, and also it just was, it almost seemed like the GM search was a farce, but I don't know who it was supposed to placate because the fans didn't really get any lip service. But how did you feel following the news that in one day, 24 hours after being announced, 
Uh, Mark Ross was shown the door, the vice president of player evaluation, and Bobby Hart was waived, technically injured, but we all know why. Well, you know, anytime you get rid of a Noel off your roster, that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. But uh, seriously, I mean, that's proved that somebody that that's clearly a message. That's a message that we are cleaning up the culture and we are cleaning up this organization and we are doing it my way. I mean, Ross interviewed for the GM role. I think there was no secret that he wanted the role. He didn't get it. And, you know, sometimes you need to clean house of people that wanted your job. And, you know, I, I think he's making an honest evaluation from the top down of this organization. And, you know, the the drafting record and the scouting record of this team has been very spotty over the last seven or eight years, you know, from pick one to pick seven each year. So I think if you're going to make the you're going to make the moves like that, you might as well do them now and send a message to everybody that no job is safe right now. And I'm honestly looking – I'm going to rattle the uh, the cage and, and it's going to shake out my way. So I, I had no problem with that at all. Uh, all the all the heavy-duty work, the heavy lifting is being done by the scouts now anyway. So And they'll continue to do their job um, right up and through the draft. Um, Gettleman has said he's going to be the final voice. So he's not going to replace Ross before the, the draft. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to not replace him, period. But um, – if he was brought in to do a job and he's going to do his job his way, he has to get the benefit of the doubt and let him do it. Uh, the Bobby Hart thing, you know, I think there's a lot of guys like Bobby Hart on this roster. You know, someone like Eric Flowers might be the exact same attitude as him, but he has some talent. I know everybody out there thinks he's the worst thing since, you know, stale slice bread, but he has some value and some talent. You know, he he is a legitimate starting lineman in the nfl where bobby hart is not so if you pull an attitude you know stunt if you're bobby hart you're gone if you're eric flowers you are going to get another chance even though gettleman is not as invested in him personally as you know um the previous administration was yeah so forget bobby hart um you know already he, forgotten yeah he may not have <laughs> Deserve to have been on the roster at the start of the season anyway. I mean, I I I applaud that move. It was um, I think it was a message too that it was done before the game. I I understand the circumstances where that he didn't want to play because he felt the game was meaningless, whatever. But the fact that it was done before the game certainly sent a message to everybody who did play Sunday, um, that they're all playing for jobs and sure. you know, a lot of them played pretty well. Uh, it, it, you gotta play it, for jobs every single day, every single snap. Yeah, yeah. and you know, the there's no level, gimmies in the league. None. Yeah, the talent level is pretty close from you know the Patriots down to the Browns. I mean, you're not talking this. It's not like the swing in college from Alabama to you know Southwest Louisiana, where it's you know men and boys. You know, your job. Nobody's safe in this league from having their job swiped from them. So you're gonna pull a stunt like that. You know, you don't want that on your team. And, you know, maybe that's something that uh, Gettleman saw. And maybe, you know, we don't know behind closed doors what the mayor saw, you know, with Reese and, and, and McAdoo, this kind of relaxed attitude that was tolerated by a coaching staff and a GM, maybe. We don't know. Yeah. You know, the Mark Ross thing, I understand why it was done, but 
it is strange because this is sort of this is sort of the middle of the regular season for scouting. Uh, you know, if you consider the draft to be the Super Bowl, um, you know these bowl games. This is this is the home stretch of the regular season for them, and uh, you know they're they're about to enter the playoffs with the uh, the combine and pro days yeah, but, and stuff. But this is but this is the scouts just gathering information right now. There's no there's no decisions being made right now. It's all it's data gathering. Yes, but the big board has not been compiled yet, which means that's going to fall entirely on the scouting department and Dave Gettleman, who is now also supposed to be figuring out what to do with Eli Manning, what to do with these contracts, um, cleaning out house. It's a it's a lot. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's a lot for one guy to do, and I don't know how invested he's going to be. In compiling the big board and how much he's going to put trust in the scouting department. Um, yes. So, uh, you, you know, whatever. The point is, uh, it's it's a lot of undertaking for one guy to come in and get settled and then just to do everything. It, I, I just hope that he can handle everything because it is a lot. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know others in the same capacity how much they take on and how much they delegate. Some guys are autocrats where they want to do it all. Mm-hmm. And some are master delegators. I mean, he's—it's not like he's—it's his first time in the league doing this particular role. He has done this before. Absolutely. So, I mean, and, it, it, it might be a little bit an accelerated timeline for this season, but again, a lot of the groundwork has been laid by the scouting department, and you know, creating that board. You know, he has to assess where he sees the current fifty-three plus all the guys in IR plus the guys that are. You know, restricted, unrestricted free agents, plus all these other things. So, and plus, he's going to have to select a head coach, which, you know, is arguably more important than this upcoming draft. Um, I, I would say it's definitely more important than any one draft is picking a head coach. So, um, I, I would, I would beg to differ on one point. I think this one year, if you this, have the potential yes. to draft a franchise quarterback, that is more important than a head coach. But you know, again, if they even decide to go in that direction, but. If they decide we are going to go with a Rosen or we're going to go, you know, with Darno or someone, that is more important than this next coach. Yeah, I suppose so. Because you can have you can I, have Vince Lombardi or you can have Hugh Jackson. It doesn't matter if you don't have a quarterback. And whether that quarterback is Eli for the next couple of years or, you know, Davis Webb or quarterback of the future. No, I I don't think it's that that black and white. Uh you know, you have guys that are coaches like Andy Reid can have Alex Smith and be playoff bound from week six. And you can have coaches like John Harbaugh with quarterbacks like Alex Smith and be playoff bound. Or Mike Singletary can be your coach and Alex Smith and you're in the dumps. So I I, I think a coach is it, – it's uh, I agree with you. Um, this particular draft is not any other draft. But, I you know, selecting a head coach – you know, you can't just keep switching systems every year. You end up like the Browns or the Jets. Fair, um, fair uh, point. So, so this is it, it's it's a lot to undertake for one guy. Is is essentially what we're getting at. Um, yeah. And the head coaching selection is starting today. Uh, as you're listening to this, Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator, uh, will interview Wednesday for the head coaching vacancy. Uh, <clears throat> well, let's let's do this. Um, okay. I have. I have a list of names who are, you know, either candidates or about to have interviews. Let me let's see where you would rank these guys on your scale of who you would want. You know, so this is in no particular order. Steve Spagnolo, Matt Patricia, 
Josh McDaniels, Jim Schwartz, Pat Shermer, Steve Wilkes. Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one more name in there, and okay. that's that's tomorrow, Thursday's interview, uh, Eric Studsville, who is the running backs coach for the Denver Broncos, um, got an interview. Okay. I'll put him at the bottom, Eric Studsville. Um, I know he was an interim head coach, so he does have some criteria. I just – sorry, it's too important to be taking a running backs coach – um, now, I don't know anything about you. I don't think anyone does. Uh, after that, I would say Steve Wilkes. Um, and for this, I know he's the assistant head coach for Carolina, but he's only been a defensive coordinator for a few years. To me, not enough experience there. It's it's not that he's not qualified. I just, you know, it, it, if Carolina's defense jumped off the page at me, I would put him up higher. Certainly still not number one. Um, because I'm not a fan of super young uh, coordinators, the hot name, but you know this is this is pretty low for him. I'm gonna put Matt Patricia right after that. Uh, I don't know what where the hype is with him. Uh, New England hasn't fielded a scary defense in the last five years. He hasn't been a defensive coordinator for more than that, um, and he's sort of jumped all over. I I'm sure that he's a very smart guy and a very capable guy. Um, I think he probably could be a head coach somewhere. I don't see why anyone would be tripping over themselves to get to him, though. Um, and I don't, I don't, I just don't understand where the hype is with him. Someone's gonna have to explain that to me because no one ever has. He has a beard. Yeah, he, I, I, I get That's that. Hype. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, I guess I'll say after that, and it's pretty close to the one I'm gonna say after that is Steve Spagnolo. Um, I wow. like him a lot. I think he, I think he can be a good coach. I think he needs some foundation to get it going. I think he inspires guys, and I think what I think he needs though is an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator to take duties away from him. I think he's good at organizing practices, inspiring men, getting them ready, game planning probably. But I don't think he's good enough to be all over the place with an inexperienced quarterback and this and that. Um, so I think he needs I, some help. I think that for all of these candidates, all seven of these, I, you could say the exact same thing for any of Sure. These. Whatever. Um, after that, Jim Schwartz. It's real close with Steve Spagnuolo. Um, you know, I he turned around an 0-16 Detroit Lions team to be competitive in a very difficult division in the NFC North. Um, but- when the Packers were dominant and when the Bears were still really good with Jay Cutler, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffery um, – Arguably, he honest, also had Calvin Johnson, but I'm not a big believer in Jim Schwartz. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be very honest. I mean, those Lion teams were punks. This is this is back during the Indomitian Sioux era. You remember he almost got in a fight with, with an assistant coach. He was very trash-talky for someone that hadn't accomplished anything. And going from 0-16 to being eh, competitive in a, okay, division, that's not what I want. I mean, the guy, he's not going to handle the New York media. He's not going to handle... You know, I don't know. That's a very uninspired scrap heap pick. And, you know, to, to me, I, he's almost at the bottom of the list for me because, you know, I, I, I just the way the Lions handled themselves and the way he handled themselves is I remember at the time thinking the guy was an immediate turnoff, you know, and, you know, I, I don't want him as part of the Giants. 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Um, so you also left out how there was almost a, a, a brawl in the middle of the field between him and John Harbaugh. The two of them That's are right. hotheads. Uh, and it, it was just the silliest thing I'd ever witnessed. And you're right, the, the Lions teams were a bunch of punks. I do think that there was some measure of success there. I mean, you do take an 0-16 team to be 9-7, and then 10-6. and You're playoff bound in a very tough division. It's something to put to your name. However... Um, Jim Schwartz was the bottom of my list if you had asked me yesterday before all the other names were added in there. Um, This is not an inspired list. (laughs) No, it's not an inspired list. Uh, You know, Steve Spagnuolo and him, I think, are really close. I think Schwartz has earned some amount of credit because he was a coach and did something, whereas Spag sort of plummeted pretty quick. His first year, not so bad, but every year after that, pretty terrible. You know, there's a... (laughs) Well... I'm going to put Pat Shermer next. I, I, you know, as a head coach, he probably, he, he's never done anything as a head coach that was worth it. But as an offensive coordinator, I would say just about everywhere he went, he, uh, you know, he, he's a game changer as an offensive coordinator. Norv um, Turner syndrome. It, it very well could be, but I think even Norv Turner as an offensive coordinator as the years went on, he sort of had that Jeff Fisher thing where it's like, this is my system and I don't, you know, the league and trends be damned. This is what works. And it just sort of got antiquated over time. People figured it out and it wasn't good. Pat Shermer, on the other hand, his offense has stayed current and up to date. Um, He also has connections to Steve Spagnuolo. He was the offensive coordinator in St. Louis. I believe it was the first year for Steve Spags. Um, as head coach, it was Sam Bradford's first year, and uh, that first year was Steve Brad- uh, Sam Bradford's like one of his best. Um, I think his offense works, and what he's been able to do in Minnesota with Case Keenum warrants an interview alone. <laughs> um, do I think he's the answer? No, I don't. Um, I, I, you know, he's never going to do a lateral move from Minnesota to New York as a offensive coordinator, but that would be ideal in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I wear an NFL and a college hat all the time. When I look at everything and you know, a coaching hire in the NFL is not the same as a coaching hire in college. College coach has to be more inspiring. It has to be someone that's going to wow recruits and it's going to wow people, you know, to donate money to your program, to get recruits excited and invested in your school and everything. NFL coaches don't need to do that. So it's a little different, but I don't know. Call me biased. Call me being the elitist New York fan that I am. I don't see the Giants as a either learn on the job job or just a place to bring in retreads. And I think every one of these people on this list is either a retread or learning on the job. And I don't know. I, I get that there's not the biggest of the big names out there that are available. I mean, if you want to talk about the, you know, the Gruden's and the, you know, all the, the guys comfy and cozy in the, in the, in the playoff, in the um, broadcast booths, they're probably all long shots anyway, but, I don't know. I'm just not inspired by any of these to think, oh, well, the the turnaround's happening immediately because we're getting a significant upgrade in coaching. I don't feel that with any of these guys. No, I don't. But I will say that the one guy we left off the list, my top pick, um, you know, we knew they were going to be retreads because the ownership wants somebody with head coaching experience. Mm -hmm. Um, That shortens your list already. 
and a lot of retreads are going to be on it. Josh McDaniels, I think, deserves a real shot as a head coach. You know, he made mistakes in Denver. I'm sure he's acknowledged them. Um, he had a pretty short leash there. I think his worst mistake is drafting Tim Tebow in the first round. Um, I have no idea what he was thinking there, but well, he also won a playoff game. Yes. So, <laughs> so you know, he won a playoff game and was never seen from again in Denver. So right, there's a lot of you know, if you want to go by pure success, there's been a lot of other first round quarterbacks who never sniffed the playoffs in their first team. So. Very true. Um, I do think that he's he's a guy who can do a really good job as a head coach. Um, his, the, the offense that he runs is not flashy and complicated, but it's successful and it works. You know, It's predicated on attacking weaknesses, running the ball, uh, and using play action to its advantage. It requires a smart quarterback, um, mm-hmm. which he has in Tom Brady, which we currently have with Eli Manning. You know, that's all up in the air. But, um, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that uh, Dave Gettleman is looking for, too. You know, run the ball, burn the clock, take take control of the game. It, it all fits not, into McDaniels that's not, that's not today's NFL, though. It's the Patriots' NFL. Mm, they also have a guy at any moment can throw for – 360 yards and make no mistakes and you know make something out of nothing i yeah i can understand that um i mean as a as a whole the nfl is more towards throwing the ball 35 to 45 times you know varying degrees of you know the three yard four yard pass play to the throwing it downfield and stuff it's not ground and pound anymore well, it's not necessarily ground and pound, but it is the ability to move the ball on the ground. I, I think the Patriots, you know, sort of like Peyton Manning's Colts and Broncos were, we're going to attack a weakness. We have a quarterback who is a genius, and he also has an arm. Isn't that what New England does? They they always have some random-ass ex-lacrosse mm-hmm. player as suddenly, you know, a fantasy superstar gets True. five touchdowns in one game because they saw it in film. They game plan to it. About- are we talking about the New England way? Are we talking about the Gettleman plan? Well, I think so, Gettleman's so. plan is to have success in the trenches. You can't do anything without it, and you know well, that's every the that's last... everybody's plan away. I mean, how many? T- every single GM or every single coach coming in is going to say, "We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to win the trenches. We're going to be the toughest team and the strongest team." And blah 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 blah. That's all coach B courtship. But you're right, though. We well, have done a very bad job of. You know, controlling the trenches. Right, that has to be improved. Would you consider Carolina to be ground and pound with Cam Newton at quarterback, or do you think that he offers enough as a legitimate throwing threat and also, you know, an escape artist threat to be more than just ground and pound? I think they're more than ground and pound because of the things that Cam can do by himself. I think when you have a quarterback like that, that's a that's a he creates an anomaly of a, of an offense that can't be re- replicated anywhere else. Like if you brought in Carolina's offensive coordinator. That offense would never be the same, even if there is a "quote unquote" running or dual threat quarterback. You know, every dual—I've never seen two dual threat quarterbacks either in the NFL or in college with the exact same skill sets. I agree. So with everything that. is going to be tweeted. I mean, and I'm going to do some real generalities here. That Cam Newton is completely different than Tim Tebow is different than Deshaun Watson is different than Lamar Jackson is different than Michael Vick. You know, they all have that percentage of speed on their 
with their legs, power and arm, accuracy and, and you know, distance throwing, they're all different. So yeah. you know, the question would be, you know, you're not gonna get any of that with Eli Manning, you're not gonna get any of that with Davis Webb. Now you have to start thinking about, you know, is Gettleman and company looking to draft one of these guys? And we're, we'll have many shows about this in the future, you know, which of these college quarterbacks might fit that type of mold? Or is Gettleman going to try to replicate the quarterback who can do everything guy back there or someone who's more traditional, you know, who can throw it on a rope and throw it through a pinhole? And we'll worry about his mobility later. Yeah, no, it's it's a certain it's it's got to be in consideration to uh, what's going on. And I'm sure this that's part of the interview process of what they're going to do on offense, what they think needs to be done and. You know, the head coach, the GM, they're going to have to be on the same page, uh, especially with the number two overall pick. Yeah, fortunately, both of them will be in place before that draft. It's not a situation where we had this draft pick in 2016 when we still had Reese and we still had McAdoo, and then all of a sudden, oh, shit, they're gone. We still have the piece. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? That changes everything. That changes you know, you're kind of limiting in half who your offensive coordinator is going to be. It limits who your, you know, your head coach. Now the sky's the limit. You get whatever you want, and then almost once you decide who you're going to get, then you kind of film the pieces from there. So who's the top of your head coach uh, list of so far interviews? I would say uh, I agree with you that McDaniels is at the top of my list. It's kind of a, well, he's a lesser of all evils because, again, I'm not – enamored necessarily with any of these guys but i um you know and again there's the list is a mile long of guys that were complete failures in their first and some guys like Pete carroll even their second jobs in the nfl mm-hmm. and then they figured it out on the third time and you know he's a, he's an, an older guy now with more experience more bill belly bill Belichick running through his veins more tom brady in his in his veins so Maybe that will help, um, but there's really no one out there. This at this moment stands out to me is we got to get this guy. I mean, there's a couple of them again. You know, some of those retreads I have no interest in getting. You know, Jim Schwartz is. Ugh, yeah. I, that just seems like a disaster waiting. <laughs> it really Maybe does. Not, be, not in the record speed of Ben McAdoo, but you know, and not quite Ray Hanley-ish, but. It just seems like he's just mediocre and a dick. Yeah, I could see it flaming out sort of the same way where he's run out of town. I could see him. I could see him having a a career trajectory as Rex did with the Jets. They might even have some even immediate success, and all of a sudden it just feeds the ego and feeds the beast, and then that slow descent into irrelevance and you know laughing stock. Yeah, and you think the Jets. You know, something happens with the Jets, it makes back page. It makes the Giants, it makes the front page. So, yeah, it's a good point. I, I think we we've hit our Joe Pisarchik moment with this team, where we need to, you know, come out of it looking like Giants, and having a guy like him is not the answer. Yeah, I'm with you. Jim Schwartz was my least of all the one all the interviews that. Uh, I read about that was the one that actually made me groan because he of the of the ones I actually listed lower than him he's the one who has a better shot which uh, just disappoints me <laughs> the giants you know they do have a couple of guys that are Rooney rule people so 
you know, whether those guys are legitimate candidates or just the farce that we think the Rooney rule is, you know, we'll never know that answer, but it it could be, uh, you know, Steve Wilkes has connection to, uh, Dave Gettleman in Carolina, obviously. Um, he, he's a guy who did get promoted quickly and often in Carolina, um, from defensive backs coach and assistant to, you know, defensive coordinator and assistant head coach. So, you know, probably more, more realistic than uh, Eric Studeville, who was just a running backs coach. He was an interim head coach, but it, it's just such a long shot, in my opinion, that, you know, it's probably... It's a big city. Yeah. It's a very big city to have a guy like that. That's got, uh, that's got Ray Hanley written all over it. Oh, yeah. You know, so we don't, we, don't, we don't need that after what we just been through. We just went through Ray Hanley light. Or would... maybe we went through... Maybe Ray Hanley was uh, Ben McAdoo light. Who knows? I mean, we just got back from a game where instead of being handed a towel by some jolly, uh, you know, security person as soon as we walked through the gate to wave around, they were stuffed into the cup holders with a Wendy's coupon attached to it. I mean, that's as shameful as I've ever seen it for this organization. I think it's, uh, you know, anything that remotely can be connected to a Ben McAdoo-esque should be shunned. Well, that's why we think that Steve Pispagnola will not be back. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really think that, and I think that's why, you know, Ross was shown the door so fast. I think, I really think the mayors and the Tishes have said, we need to turn the page on all of this. And maybe there were some holdovers even before McAdoo from the Coughlin era that, you know, God bless Tom Coughlin, but that last Super Bowl is now pretty far in the in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. And we have one playoff game since Super Bowl 40, whatever it was last Six. Week, 47, 46, uh-huh. a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, if you look through the NFL, you know, other than your, your complete dregs in the, of, of the league, teams kind of come and go out of the playoffs and, and within six years. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's time, you know, they can't like his ownership seeing – and I get it. The weather was brutal on Sunday, but you can't like seeing 50,000 empty seats. You, you you can't like having a game in December where this, it's at least 50-50 Philly fans there and definitely a vocal minority of those people. You, you, you can't like that. You can't like that your games are getting flexed out of primetime. You can't like your games are getting flexed to 1 o'clock. Not good. Yeah. You know? So something has to change and you know, holding on to the past. I mean, I, I get it. It's a 10 year anniversary of that first Coughlin Super Bowl. But when you start hanging your hat on things that happened a long time ago, I mean, you don't have a present, you don't have a future. Yeah. So it's, 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 you know, it's going to be, I said this a long, a, a lot of times, but it's going to be a long off season filled with lots of headlines Lots of research into guys' past. A lot of connecting the dots, too, where you kind of like – you can't look at every move in its own, you know, uh, vacuum. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting news to come, you know, fast and furious. Um, once one thing comes, the rest of the pieces are going to start falling into place quicker and quicker, I think. Yeah, I mean um, I think you're, I think you're going to know right away when that first cut day is. I'm not sure when that is. Is that like in April or something? Oh, I don't know. There, there's, there's like two or three different cut days that are like people get roster bonuses if they're on the roster on this date and this date yeah. and this date. And 
when you start seeing familiar names and guys, it looks a little strange that they're getting cut. I'm looking kind of read the tea leaves to say what direction is this team going? Is it quick fix and away we go or, you know, in it for the long haul burn and, you know, churn and burn. Yeah. And, and as these headlines fly quick and dirty, uh, we're going to try and get our episodes up real quick, even if they're just short little reaction videos, uh, uh, commentary, you know, 10 minutes long or so, but you know, you can always find our reactions immediately on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. Um, all episodes are tweeted out at, at just giants pod. Um, and they're all posted on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can just subscribe and get those immediately download them, listen to them in your car on your way to work. And I am on Twitter as always at the cranky fan. And, uh, as grump said, what we're, we're actually would do is go to a weekly schedule again since there's no more reviews and previews of individual games. But like he said, you know, if something big happens, we will probably throw a midweek one up real quick. It could be, you know, if they, we hire a coach or major cuts or something happens, you know, we may throw a quick 10-minute episode on during the week as necessary. But we will most likely be going back to a weekly schedule from now until, you know, opening day next year. Yep. And uh, with that, it's a new year, new Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.